Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sazón y Corazón. We've got an amazing guest today. Um, honestly, like, I'm just thrilled he even said yes. <laughs> but I am joined today by Domati Pongo. Uh, Domati and I know each other a bit and, and have um, had certain exchanges. But before we get into that, Domati, go ahead and tell the people who you are. Man, I am an African first-generation journalist. I'm Ghanaian from the city of Chicago, uh, correspondent at MTV News, and I host several projects for VH1, Smithsonian Channel, and wherever else they got that bag. And I'm so happy yes. to be here. <laughs> Talk to you, right, <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> um, wherever else they have the bag, just so happened to be MTV, the MTV Mental Health Youth Action Forum, is where we met. Domati was the amazing host, MC, hype man, like just everything. It was a vibe because Domati was in the room. So, you know, I'm really grateful that our paths have crossed. And uh, now we're going to have this conversation today. I think everyone knows that we've both been pretty open about our journey and, you know, our cause and why we do what we do. So mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect match to be able to have this conversation. And um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, let's, let's, get into you, let's get into it. I'm really excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your mental health journey? That's how we met. So I feel like that's a great place to start in terms of your own journey and why that forum was so important, um, especially because we, we crossed paths there. That's a fact. Uh, my mental health journey, I feel like it just begun. And I feel like a lot of people who have been working on mental health knows that it's like no specific end goal. You're continuously learning things, continuously Fact. changing, <laughs> challenging assumptions about yourself. So it always kind of feels like you're, you're doing the work and it's uh, it's work. So it always feels like it's a continuous thing. So, But mm -hmm. if I could trace it back to a moment, I guess I would say I started really trying to find words to describe some of the things that I was feeling or experiencing around maybe 2018. Um, and that was around the time where I was just at an interesting juncture in my career, my personal relationships, et cetera. I won't go into detail, but I was hosting True Life Crime around that time, which is an investigative journalism show where you look into the deaths of young people and you just see just gruesome things. You hear tough stories and being on air, I can't separate myself completely from what's going on because I'm having, I'm a human having a human experience with other people. So it began to trigger emotions within myself because of things that I've been through. And so I would say my mental health journey began with me making sure that I was balanced and well enough to be able to, to share with people in a way that was healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think oof, there's so much realness in that because I can't even watch the show without being like, Oh, mm. I don't know. You're right, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, there's definitely a lot of triggering things, um, especially when we're we're seeing those experiences kind of like on the screen, and you're just like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and I think there's a version of reporting on those shows, and the reason, like, I was been reporter for uh, six years prior to to True Life Crime, but even coming from a city like the like Chicago, and you know, you you end up reporting on some 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 tough things a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a way that there's a disconnected approach that you can have to storytelling and there's a version yeah. of storytelling that requires your full self and mm -hmm. bringing all of myself to a thing is different than coming to the scene, doing a story and getting up out of that. So it was, yeah. um, 
yeah, so all that to say, exactly. It was a lot. And just as the viewer <laughs> seeing it, I'm processing it the same way. Uh, so it was, it was it was important for me to begin to, you know, you begin to improve something once you know what it is that you're trying to improve. So when I can say, mm-hmm. ah, that moment was, you, you're dealing with this. That's why I devote this emotion. And so, you yeah. know, sit with that for a second. Allow yourself mm-hmm. time to sit with things and don't just think that when you clock out, you can just turn it off. You're not a machine. Right. You know? So have right. a decompression uh, a decompression time for yourself, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you make a great point about language and being able to identify certain things and, and just being equipped with the tools on how to do it. I think, you know, a lot of us know that something's going on, but we don't know how to quite articulate mm-hmm. it or how yeah. to place it, or we know our triggers, but we don't know why. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, obviously everyone has a mental health journey, but I think a lot of that has to do with our community. So how have you navigated the spaces that you're in and your mental health as a black man and a son of immigrants? Well, as you know, immigrants don't believe in mental health. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) What is that? Comport yourself. You know, it's no like... (laughs) There's really no context for it. And so it's uh, everything is new, you know, in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not to say that I had an extremely like, you know, my parents were loving, like my my household was loving. I got two big sisters I grew up with. But, you know, coming out of an immigrant household, you might find in your relationships that you don't, and and especially as a male, that you don't, um, uh, Engage the way with, with the, the amount of emotional connectivity that partners want you to have. I won't go as far as to mm-hmm. say being emotionally unavailable, but just expressing emotion. You know, in household, in hardworking mm-hmm. households, I'll just give an example. Blue collar households, love is when a light bill is paid, right? Yep. You should know that I love you because <laughs> you have a roof over your head and lights to turn on. <laughs> yeah. You see me walking through this door at 8, 9 p.m. You know I love you. You know that love. water turned hot. <laughs> that turned hot, didn't it? That is love. <laughs> Yes. That manifestation of love don't work for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I had mm-hmm. to, it's just one example, but I had to re-engage with, you know, how I come up versus how the people that I'm engaging with, whether romantically or platonically, want me to show up. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I don't I don't know if that directly answered your question, but, you know, it just does. reimagining it what it is to be, yeah, Black male yeah. and African in, in a way that, that feels authentic to me, but still shows up for the people around me the way they want me to. One thousand percent, because, my, you know, I have this conversation with my parents and shout out to them because they actually listen to the podcast. But we have mm. these conversations all the time. And, you know, sometimes it'll come up with like, well, I did my best. I worked two jobs. You had a roof over your head. You had food on the table. And I think that's a lot of like the, the scarcity mentality as an immigrant. Right. Like those are the things that we need to focus on first because we don't have the luxury of focusing on oh, he bought me flowers or, right. you know, right. some of those other things. I think it's the conditions in which we grew up or like we had to be able to focus on those priorities. And it turned into the love language because we didn't know nothing else. <laughs> that, and that's it. All we had was acts of service. If you, if you, like, Damn, I eat today. <laughs> right, right. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, so there's there's so much there's so much that goes into that. And I think it's really hard when you're working on yourself and then remaining true to yourself when you didn't even know who that was at the beginning. So like how have you remained authentic and honor yourself through your work, you know, and throughout this journey? I think it's being free enough to uh to fail in public. You know what I mean? <gasps> 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was a moment when I realized I would rather fail while being myself than to be a different version of me or a caricature of myself and, yeah. and, and fail that way. And then wonder, damn it, if I just went with my first mind. <clears throat> and, and if you put it all on the table and you still lose the game, you can still have honor, as you said, honor your authentic. You can still, yeah. you know what? I hang my hat on that piece of work that didn't nobody engage with, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then it resurfaces <laughs> years later because all of the work that I'm doing, all the work that we're doing, this archival platform that you have right here, this is like, yeah. this is this is what we have. This is a piece of ourselves that we're giving to the, to the world and that's going to remain. So, you mm -hmm. know, we're long gone, not to be too macabre, but when we're gone, nobody <laughs> will know, damn, I didn't really mean to ask that question. Somebody right. told me I should ask it and I asked it. All they have is the word. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they don't see the Google Doc next to the screen. <laughs> no, they don't see that. All we know is, damn, she's coming off the top with these great questions. <laughs> right, she's she doing it. <laughs> she's doing it. You know, but yeah. but if you, you know, so you have to you have to bet on yourself and be with yourself. That's not to say not to take counsel, but if I have to question feedback or advice that I'm getting versus what my mind tells me to do, you know, I'd rather get it wrong or right on my own terms, you know, and so mm. that, that, that has kind of helped me. Yeah. Wow. This theme just keeps coming up because people keep asking me like, how are you doing all these things and you're not burnt out and you're not, you know, on your wits end. And I'm like, I'm doing the things that mean something to me. That's right. Like I've been making the decisions, especially this year that serve me and mm. like just really trying to find like who the hell is Ayana? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, and I want them to know, and I usually say this in the context of my kids that, you know, Ayana was someone who helped the community, who was yeah, her real right. self no matter where she was, as she always spoke facts, right? And like, didn't have to code switch. And like, that is my core, you know, being. And, you know, I tell you what, it's worked out for me. It's, it's been it. uncomfortable yeah, for other people because I've been making decisions for me and it's no longer what serves them, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not, that's not my problem. Yeah, Ayana is okay. healthy. You know, I'm showing up every day 1,000% and, and honoring myself. And I think as long as I leave with that, I'll be all right. Because before it, I was yeah. stressing and shit, right? <laughs> and it's so valuable because once you know who you are, what your intention is, what you want to do, it becomes way easier to sort through what people give you that doesn't align with your intention. Wow, that's important. Mm -hmm. If you, uh, I used to write, you know, rhymes. I used to write poetry. I used to be really... Uh, heavy in the music that created process. If somebody disturbed me during that process and started suggesting things, it would throw everything off because I don't know mm -hmm. what it is that I'm doing. Now, when I'm done and I've decided this is what the idea is, and I let someone hear the idea and I'm ready to receive that, then we can make it better and I can incorporate that because I already know where I'm going. But when you get input while you're in the genesis process, for me at least, and it sounds like for you, it's yeah. distracting. But once you have a fully understood concept, this is this is this. This is who I am. This is what Domit wants to do. This is how mm -hmm. I want to do it. Can you help with this vision? You know, and then it, it helps. It yes. Helps. And it helps when yeah. you need to realign too. You know. Yes. Absolutely. Love that. So speaking of intentions, mm -hmm. what does it mean to you to be able to use your platform to support mental health and social justice? I know it comes up for you a lot. So what okay. what does that really do for you and what 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 is it grounded in 
you know what I love about the spaces that God has allowed me to be in most recently? It has Shout been, out to God. Shout out to God. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really been the type of spaces where it's been organic, right? Like mm. there are, I'm often in spaces where I can lean on actual champions like yourself. And I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you, but like we were talking the night before the forum. And I already felt the energy and we had spoken about, you know, just how you would navigate in the spaces that you're excelling in. And then to yeah. see you next to the first lady, um, sharing the truth in that space and that shine and that light. Then the presentations, like, I, I just feel like I've had a chance as a bystander to just witness those things and learn from you in that space. So what do I do? I take that information and I engage with all of you guys. And sometimes I'm maybe on a platform talking about it and being able to use your experiences as examples and be just a filter for you guys. So that's how I see mm-hmm. my my role as a griot, you know, the mm-hmm. filter through the people who I feel like you guys are on the ground doing the work. Yes, I mean, being moderating and, you know, being in that space and helping to amplify as a part of the work, but it's, it's work adjacent. And, and yeah. I feel like that's my role and that, that's the space that I, I've been able to be in. And it feels fantastic. I love it because, you know, as you talk about, being being first gen, being a black male, mental health, there are not a lot of people who are speaking in our context, I feel like, you know? And so mm. every time I jump in the group chat, all the way from the group chat to sharing just things <laughs> that work for us and ways to, to you know, help ourselves, you know, whatever we're going through, I actually have one where they're putting in therapy, uh, therapist links. <laughs> yes. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, Grant Yanni, GY, and my boy, Brenton, uh, also some dope creatives. But we've been talking about these things. And so I say that to say all the way to my personal space to just, you know, on the platforms and through the work is, uh, it's dope. It feels rewarding. It's enriching. Yeah. You know, what really stands out to me when you say that is this reoccurring theme is find your sphere of influence. Yes, and you mentioned yes. in a, in a previous conversation, I think it was in your interview, you're a conduit, right? Like you, you, you are the one who passes through the message because you have that platform, you have that ability. It's the, I feel like it's the same thing for all of us because we all get hung up on how am I going to change the system? What am I going to do? Like everything's on fire, blah, blah, blah. But we all have our, even if it's small, our right. sphere of influence to where we right. can have these conversations, right? Like for me, it's big with my family and my kids or, you know, in HR, in the workplace or on this podcast. For you, it just happens to be on a bigger level because you're talking to people every day. You're bringing light to stories that people don't typically hear if you weren't there, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I think that's really important for, for whoever's listening to remember, like, you don't have to be on a huge platform. You have a platform no matter what. It just, you know, might be a different size. Like Absolutely. speak your truth and shine your light wherever you feel like you need to. Right. And you make a difference that way. Oh, my God. And and you know what's so ill? Like this going a step beyond that, like thinking about intention. When I set out to I didn't set out or manifest or choose to do uh, true crime reporting or show like true life crime. No more than I did Mm. try to do red carpet. I didn't even like entertainment reporting. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) But but my intention has always been. Uh, champion the, the, the issues that mean a lot to me and to have mm. an authentic voice in reporting that could speak on a language that I understand from somebody who I w- would w- actually want to listen to, you know, not yeah. something that felt disconnected from me and my community. <laughs> and the universe, Yahweh was like, bloop, 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 bloop. okay, this is how you're going to do it. Um, yes. And that's how the show came. So it goes back to an intention and then it just took mm-hmm. form 
in that iteration. So now I'm not thinking that I'm going to get an opportunity to talk about social justice issues, but now comes this, this show that allows me to use this case that happened to this person to say, okay, what can we tell people about, you know, how to believe women when they're saying someone has sexually harassed them so it doesn't go this far? Or what does yeah. it mean to, you know, champion folks who are fighting against LGBTQ, uh, anti-LGBT crimes, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, man, that wasn't even the intention when we started, but as long as the intention is clear, it'll always come back to that, that nugget of what God put yeah. you in the space for, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And I, and I talk about that, you know, a lot in my work with diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging is mm-hmm. it's not an extra thing you got to do. It's applying mm-hmm. that lens to everything you're already doing. Right. Like right. if you're highlighting stories, well, what kind of stories are we highlighting? Is it the typical majority that we think people want to hear yeah. or is it the global majority that deserve to be heard and are typically marginalized? Right. right. Like. You're doing the same work, but it's centering what's most important and what's true. And and I just we just happen to align on our values, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but you know, some people like who aren't necessarily in this work or having this conversation, they're like, Oh my God, I don't know how to talk to people of color or blah blah blah. And I'm like, look, <laughs> take whatever you're doing right. and let me know whose opinions are you asking all the time? Who are you talking to? Look at your circle, right? And if it's not colorful, maybe you should seek out some color. You know, right? Like, it's very simple. <laughs> like it's not, it's not that hard, but people just make it this like really big mountain that they gotta climb. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, it's just about just shifting that perspective. Yeah. And I think us having these authentic conversations and centering ourselves and being able to tell these stories and letting them know, like, look. You could do this, <laughs> yeah. you know. It just takes us one step further, and and really, ah, just fighting that fight for equity, you know. That's a fact, <laughs> and it's a fight for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It shouldn't be, but here we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh Lord, um, but let me let me shift gears a little bit here. Aside from all the work that you're doing with MTV News and other platforms, you started your own company and launched okay. your own merch. I peeped yes. it. I did my okay. homework. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell me why it was important for you to tell people to pronounce your name and say it right? That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. You saw, oh, yeah. You saw the new hat. I, yeah. I thought. You can know, get custom hats on lids.com using the promo code DOMETI10. That's uh, D-O-M-E-T-I-10. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes for people to yeah. catch it, too. <laughs> but, yeah. But, no, it's... Uh, because, like, I believe there's so much power in the name and what you allow the people to call you. You know, what you respond to is how people will engage with you, right? Like, mm. we teach people how to engage with us. And the very first thing when you meet somebody outside of your physical appearance when they see you is how you doing, what's your name? And so yeah. if you can't get that right for me with some effort and time, we're probably not going to have the best of interactions. Like, most of the mm. people I know have put some, because it's a respect thing. So my name means the backbone or pillar of the family. It's an airway name. And, you know, it's important to me. My last name is Pongo, P-O-N-G-O. I feel like in a lot of Eurocentric cultures, just like the country we live in, you can pronounce crazy names like Schwarzenegger and, you know, (laughs) whoever else. But when it comes to an African name, there's this aversion or this confusion some of it's just cultural right like like when mm-hmm. i try to learn names in other languages it might take me a little more time 
you know, yeah. some people have trouble rolling the R's, you know, even saying the title of the show. That's just cultural mm-hmm. and it's not malicious or purposeful. They just got to put in the work. But when you refuse right. to put in the work and you have a mental block because of a cultural difference, that's something to unpack. Mm-hmm. So even just in my name, just them at the core level, my basic level, my existence, our first conversation is something that's making you confront something if you're not already of that mind. So that's why yeah. I feel it's important. But aside from that, aesthetically, the people who designed it thought it looked dope. Um, <laughs> shout out to my man Fred Haley. And so that ended up becoming the logo. <laughs> There's always like two sides of the dope story. Like, yeah, right. It's a really, it's a real one, but also it looks cool. But also it looks cool. <laughs> I respect that. I respect yeah. that. But, you know, going back to the names, it's just so... It's so small and so minor, but it goes such a long way because you're right. There is something to unpack there. If you can't get my name right, or if you yeah. don't even try, like blatant disrespect, yeah. then then what does that say about you as a person? Then I don't necessarily feel respected in this exchange. So, That's right. That's so right. it's probably not going to be a favor for both of us to stay here. So let's go our separate ways, right? Is, yeah, just end it right there. It's a good way to weed stuff out. Like, you know, yeah. keep it level. Yeah. <laughs> it go from like, you know, missing one N in my email to just right. not saying it at all, right? And, you know, I think it's important for people to understand the historical context because a lot of, the, a lot of us who came here willingly or unwillingly had to change our names just to be respected or to get job interviews or, you know, be on a certain level. And I'm like, there's an entire history behind us mm-hmm. that, you know, is, is what, what makes us say like, no, say my name. If you yeah, can't yeah. even say this, then you're not respecting the 400 years plus of history that I bring with me. And, and so, you know? so that is so true. And scientifically, you know, studies tell you people feel more connected to people when they use their names, you know, when they Mm -hmm. speak to you by name and call you by name. It it means something, you know, you'll see most powerful people do that. The Surgeon General did that at the event and it Mm -hmm. it gives you the the idea of intimacy. You know, now you hear politicians do it in a way that feels disingenuous. But I'm talking about people do it for real. And, you, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a there's a camaraderie because there's something, you know, there's studies that say, like, you know, how much most people. Uh, relate to and feel seen when it is acknowledged yes. in that way, you know? And so mm-hmm. you're absolutely right because it, like you said, acknowledges you, but also acknowledges 400 years of history. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I sure did feel like uh, Dr. Vivek Murphy knew me like a friend when he kept saying my name. <laughs> right? Didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, yes. oh, wow, they go way back. <laughs> right. You know? I'll be friends, friends. <laughs> yeah. Vivek Murphy was like, yes. he was so endearing, you know what I mean? So it was, it yeah. Was, it, it, it come part of that Part of that is who he is, who I, I believe mm-hmm. him to be. I don't know him personally. But the other yeah. aspect of that are these things that he uses to highlight that genuine side of self, which is respecting mm-hmm. a person's name. So that's the, yeah. the name aspect of it. But Pongo Media uh, helps organizations tell better stories through multimedia, mm-hmm. whether that means me hosting a thing, whether that means me consulting on a thing that I have no, that I'm not hosting, whether that means me selling ideas to companies. That's broadly yeah. uh, what Pongo Media does and is about and uh, the merch uses both my first and last name yes i love it i love it but now that we're on this conversation of language yes how do you reclaim your roots or even stay connected in a time where there's so much divide on the language that we use to identify ourselves i.e black african-american bipoc myself afro-latina and the 
X amounts of Latino, Latine, Latina that, that we've got floating around. Like, how do you, how do you combat that? Especially because I know your words are very important when you're talking to other people and you're hosting and things like that. So how do you choose those words wisely? Yeah. Going back to like nomenclature, like you said, it's respecting how someone wants to identify themselves first. Mm. And so all of that, whatever words you use to describe your cultural identification, whatever your pronouns are, I don't give a damn about none of that. My my thing is, at the <laughs> end of the day, I'm going to use whatever you want. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which I don't even know why some of that is a debate for how somebody would like for themselves to be <laughs> addressed. But um, <laughs> but on the end, but the, on the other end of that is as long as we know where our commonalities are. And I think that where the names within the African diaspora get tricky is there are some that don't want to claim their Africanness. What does that do? It mm. takes us out of the global majority, like we talked about. Yes. You know, but yes. most of us are part of the African diaspora. It's just how close is the linkage? And it doesn't erase the other things that you are as well. And so yes. I think once we realize that, there'll be like, there's this, uh, there's, there's a cultural divide. I think that's what the, the tree from which colorism comes from and all of these other isms, you know? So I, yeah. I started trying to attack that. Um, in 2016, I started planning cultural excursions of African Americans going back to Ghana with me. So we took. I saw. Yeah, 20 at a mm-hmm. time. Over the course of uh, four years, we we made uh, four trips and took 75, 70 people, 70 ish people mm. back home. So that was before. Well, sign me up for the next time. trip. I haven't Come done on, 23 me, but I'm sure I got African in me. Let's do it. Yeah, well, you're definitely African for sure. I see it all in your, I see it oh, all yeah. in your face, cousin. All in. Uh, Afro-Latina for sure. But yes, yeah. I definitely no, got to yeah, get my genetics up. It, it was so fun because, I mean, you'll start to hear these different things that harken back to so many cultures. Like, um, you know, my mm-hmm. lady's Afro-Latina. We went to an Ebo Taylor concert recently, Ghanaian musician. It was like his first show in the States, but he's up there in yeah. age. I, I believe he's 83 or something like that. You know, and they playing the music, the drums, the rhythm. She was like, wait a minute. This sounds like, this sounds like Dominican music. You know, I'm like, nah, we, you know, you African. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you, like a lot of us in the community, especially Dominicans, Caribbeans, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to generalize it because it's it's a widespread issue, right? We all identify as Latina, Latina. Mm -hmm. Like we're, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Dominican. It's only been like in the last few years where people were like, oh, we are part of the African diaspora. That's right. That's right. That's I'm like, right. where have y'all been? That's right. That's right. No, it's true. It goes back to what you said earlier about identity and, and even mental health. It's all part of that. It's unlearning a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it is, when we think about how we're classified, we got to think about whose interest is it in? Right. Mm -hmm. There's somebody who benefits from this population of people to not know that they're interconnected. Yes. And And who (laughs) is trying to identify us and who is trying. There you go. Even the country, even if you if you read, even if you don't have time to read it, if the folks can check out King Leopold's ghost, those who've already read it or know about it, already know the story. King Leopold. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, convened this conference in Belgium where basically all these European countries took a map of Africa and diced it up. You get the Congo, okay, you get this, you get this area, this area, this area. And then from there, mm. the transatlantic that took us to the islands and everywhere that we ended up inhabiting. So 
literally all the same people, but that division was arbitrary. There were, we had mm-hmm. our own lines and boundaries before Europeans infiltrated. And so it was incumbent upon them to educate us as well, to miseducate us as well, to make sure that we disassociate ourselves from each other because there's yeah. power and connectedness. And so that's, that's why we, that's why so many of my, my brothers and sisters don't know they my brothers and sisters. Right. <laughs> See, know. I've always known I've been part of the family. <laughs> there you go. You know, I, I know you know, cousin. I know you know. And then spiritually, there, there are hints that come out. It's in the music. It's in the dance. It's in the rhythm. It's in how we vibe when we in the same spaces. And the food. And the food. Oh, yes. man. Mofongo reminds yes. me of Fufu, just without the, the you know, the same... That's it's it. So many things. That's it. Oh my gosh. I'm going to PR in a couple in a couple weeks. So I'm definitely gonna have me a good share of my fungal. But oh, um you nice. said something in um there's there's power in, in connectedness and in mm-hmm. community. And it reminds me of something I heard this morning is Dr. Brittany James, she was on a podcast. She started the um anti-racism in medicine institute. And essentially, like when she first has to like kind of dispel everything, she has to first start with racism. And she says, um, you know, something about like, damn, I can't get all the words right. But she she follows Ibram Kendi's definition of like it is a belief. It's not necessarily a person who is racist. Right. It's a behavior so that people automatically disassociate from just because you're being called racist doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right. You can Mm -hmm. hold the two at the same time. And they were talking about, like, how do you start to bridge some of these issues? And she said, maintain authentic cross-racial relationships because you dispel racism when you see their souls Hmm. on both sides. And I'm like, wow, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the labels and all that go way out the window when I know you, Domiti, as a person. Right. right. When I see your soul, when I see Susan's soul, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter what color you are or what continent or what have you or what label you want me to use. All that other stuff goes out the window because I I know you as a person and I have value in you and your soul. And I'm just like, damn. (laughs) you know i only hope that i'm doing that with this podcast right in these conversations that we see part of people's souls Mm -hmm. and you know just let go of the oh but they're you know person of color or that white lady shouldn't be on that podcast you know what i mean right 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 right. (laughs) you know so that was so well i'm just yeah yeah Yeah, i'm trying Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah, I think I think it's just there's so much that we can do in terms of being connected and just remain, you know, just centered with us. That's right. And not think about who's trying to label us or who's trying to divide us. That's you right. know, all that is that's obviously a whole nother ball game. But yeah, to yeah. stay connected, like it's it should it shouldn't be so hard, right? For me to say no. I know I'm part of the African diaspora. Like, double T's my cousin. <laughs> I remember we uh, there was a conversation. So we did a show for VH1 called Lineage to Legacy, where the cast of Love and Hip Hop had their African ancestry traced back by AfricanAncestry.com and Dr. Gina Page. Mm-hmm. And they found out what countries they were from. And they linked up with the crew from Black Ink to get a signifier of that country tatted on them. You know, what I mean? it was a really cool show. And I hosted the special, a two part special. 
And one of the questions was about how much we identify with being from, let's say, the Bronx or being Trinidadian, right? And then tracing it back. What does that do to my sense of personal identity or my sense of self? Or, you know, there's one sister from mm-hmm. New Orleans. She's more New Orleans than anything. And it's like, no, nah, it's just another it's just another thing. It's just another, it's not something that you have to wear at the expense of anything else that you are. Like I am a Chicago and through and through. In a lot of ways, yeah. I'm more Chicago. I'm culturally African. I'm like in my spirit and my blood. But when I go back home, is it helpful for people back home to say, to make fun of my language? Because I, I don't speak Ewe or Chi fluently, mm-hmm. right? Is that helpful mm-hmm. to where we're going if we're talking about interconnectedness? So it happens on multiple yeah. levels in terms of how we wear these identities, you know, because mm-hmm. all it is is just a cloak. You know, when you come into this world, you're not aware of any of that, you know? Yeah. It's, in you, it's in your DNA, but you're not aware of it. And so it's, a, um, yeah. that is also, that identity piece is part of that mental health journey too. And I think that a lot of the dysfunction we see in so many communities of color comes from being ripped away from from our lineage, you know, we see it in mm-hmm. indigenous uh, communities that that fight hard as hard as African Americans and Latinas do to to hold on to that. It's it's an interesting thing. Latinos do. It's like it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. I think it's part yeah. of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. I I really do think it is. I'm gonna keep telling people you can be so many different identities at the same time. It's called intersectionality. That's a, that's a big old fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to go back to your story. Mm-hmm. You mentioned this briefly, um, and I saw your interview that you did with uh, Illinois Radio. Shout out to mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. That you found yourself in a depression without speaking to your family for two months. Yeah. What What would you say to that version of yourself with the information that you know now? Hmm. What would I say to that version of myself? I genuinely don't know what I would say. I think, I think that's the thing that I have to be conscious of. I think it's um, when I get in these spaces where people are concerned about me, I got to remember that 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 those people serve that function. They're my mirror. Mm-hmm. They're the they're the thing that help balance me. I would probably say that mm-hmm. to myself. I would say, man, allow allow yourself to look in look in the mirror. Those being your friends and family, friends and family, when that you know, when that's showing up for you, because it can be. Because what what happened was just to give a little background on it, it was just like, um, you know, I was working at at Target headquarters because I didn't have language to. I wouldn't at the time. I wouldn't have said I was depressed, right? I went to work, mm-hmm. came home, but I was like, this can't be life. It was dark when I woke up in the morning. It was dark when I got back home. Um, there was nothing creative for me to do. I was just in the office all day. I yeah. come home, I'm, I'm away from my family, away from my people, but I'm not really registering it because I've been programmed to work. You know, my last name literally means workhorse. Like that that, that was where you got your your value, you know, is don't be mm-hmm. scared of hard work. And if you work hard enough, you'll get out this rut that you win. So right. it actually put me further in. It was burnout. Basically it was burnout. And it was, um, I saw the phone ring, I'll call him back, I'll call it back. Eventually tired of the text and the phone ringing. gets overwhelming. So you just kind of keeping on, on yeah. silent, turn the ringer off, and then you just disengage. It wasn't until I jumped on Facebook. And my sisters were like, has anybody seen my brother? And I'm like, what? Y'all being dramatic. They was like, nah, look at the last time we called you. I was like, dang. Oof. And so um, I would say allow for those people to tell you when you're, you know, 
losing yourself because I didn't even know something was wrong with me necessarily until I got on the other side of it and saw that I was uninspired. Mm. And shortly after, I quit. And then just yeah. totally switched industries. Mm. Mm. Oh, there's so much. There's so mm. much in there. Because I tell you what, I'm still, you know, I still go to therapy weekly. You know, shout out mm. to my therapist who's doing amazing work and earning her paycheck. <laughs> um, I'm still, I'm still working on accepting help. Yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. there's so much value and emphasis on our productivity and our and what we put out and you know how many jobs we're working because that's that's what we saw growing up. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until my therapist connected that to me that like I was really emulating what I saw. I don't know what it's like to have like a healthy balance of, hey, so and so, can you help me out with this thing? Because I'm tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like those yeah, are yeah. not normal words for me. No. And so I have to learn, I literally have to make a conscious effort to be able to say, okay, I'm feeling burnt out or I'm approaching burnout. I need to speak up here. You know, and I, like you said, I didn't have the language. I didn't yeah. know what that meant. Yeah, I don't even right? think, like, I think I heard of burnout like a couple years ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be completely like, now that I think about it, because I, I quit that job in uh, 2013. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, we weren't having these conversations mm-hmm. back then, you know, so yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even know what it was. And so like, yeah, accepting help. And then, and then also like starting to see when you're headed down that way, like, yeah. You know, I operate at um at a hundred as a default. And so mm-hmm. anything sometimes uh if I'm having fun, it feels like it's at the expense of the work. Or if I'm resting, yes. it's at the expense of the work. So you have to start to look at the signs that you are leaning toward that direction. And sometimes it's not even that you're working too hard and need rest. Sometimes you're paralyzed by the decisions you have to make. That's something else mm-hmm. that I've dealt with. Like when that to-do list gets big. And you just stare at it. You're like, and before you know, yeah. YouTube, then then you've been watching YouTube for three hours and you ain't really got nothing done. You're like, right after this, I'm gonna do it. And so, like, you <laughs> since you haven't made rest a part of your function, it's now forcing itself upon you at inopportune times. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so now schedule rest. That was probably the other thing I'll say to myself. I mean, you see, I'm still working through this in real time. Like, I'm still figuring yeah. out. That out. So it's like, you know, I would say look at look at look at your 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 support system, but then also schedule things like rest and then look at when you get into the try to see what your triggers are when you're getting closer to that to that peak, that you know, closest to the edge, you know? Yeah, for sure. I I definitely still gotta do that too. Like my husband will tell you, I am a meticulous calendar keeper and I've got like rest time scheduled in like yeah, I was we got ask, massage. What do you do to avoid burnout? <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Um my calendar is definitely one of those things where like I cut off at a certain time or on certain days. Like I don't take meetings on Fridays. Like I I don't I try not to work on Saturdays and Sundays. Like the work that I do is so deep that if I'm thinking about it one hundred percent of the time I get mentally exhausted. My body's fine, but I'm mentally exhausted. And then it starts showing up as physical symptoms. And so that's what I'll do is, and you got my kid running in the background, but, um, you know, I'll keep a calendar. I'll, I'll make massages regularly. I'll do the self-care. And like, I know that if I'm not sleeping, it's probably because I need more rest. That's right. And 
I know my signs after a lot of therapy, but I know my signs and I'll, I'll make sure to be like, all right, like I'm, I'm hitting that. Like I'm starting to eat chips and I'm not hungry. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you know, those yeah, kind of things yeah, where you're yeah. like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's quite a few, you know, but my massage and my self care is definitely top notch. I've got to have it like regularly scheduled. Otherwise I hit burnout for real. It's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're getting close to our wrap up, but I want people to walk away with something from this conversation if they haven't already. I mean, if you have it in forty minutes, then I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> but what would you say to our listeners who are struggling to find their voice? You know, in our in the movements that are happening, and uh, while they're grappling with their signs of identity, like. We've talked a lot about intention and all the things that we're doing, but we had a journey to get there. So what would yeah. you tell people who are still on that journey? Mm, that's a great question. I'll say what, what has worked for me. And hopefully some you can figure out what works for you. Um, what has worked for me is getting a lot of still time with myself. And I yeah. think that always being on the hustle, and I was reminded of that through quarantine, you know, if for other type A personalities or people who have been driven hard or really put a lot of high pressure on yourself to excel or, you know, show up. Yeah. Um, really taking a moment to allow for your own voice. That small, still voice. I call it the voice of the Holy Spirit, whether that means mm. meditating, taking 10 minutes to yourself. I used I used to use the space, the, the Headspace app. Um, mm-hmm. Headspace has like 10 free meditations uh but then if you i stopped using it because i used them all and i, I don't feel like <laughs> but <laughs> if you two are hey too- has space we need a free membership <laughs> exactly until y'all sponsor this podcast i am not recommending you <laughs> you know but there are a number of them they're the calm app all of these things but just those yeah. moments to just meditate and be with yourself and usually sometimes the sense of clairvoyance comes out of that on the other mm-hmm. side of that is where some of my true ideas have come from. My sense of peace has come from where you get to silence the criticism, the doubt talk, like all of that, that yeah. has helped ground me. Um, yeah. I, I think what also helps with grounding is accepting, um, accepting who I am and all of my little quirks, you know, and the reason mm. why I preface this with this has worked for me is because you know, I'm a reader and I read a lot of biographies and you start to see, yeah. and there are a lot of people on YouTube and wherever you, you look to, to get tidbits on how to do a thing well, they'll say, so the most geniuses get up at this time of day, millionaires mm-hmm. do this at this time, blah, 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 blah. If you don't fit within that, lean into what makes sense for you. I think I got depressed when I was in corporate America because my hours of peak creative freedom are like between... 1 and 5 a.m. That mm. is a job where we're having to get up at 5 a.m. to go do what you needed to do. Nah. Nah, it don't, <laughs> it don't work. But when I found myself in this in a situation when I quit my first job, sorry, this is gonna be somewhat of a long-winded answer, but I'm gonna land the plane. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> when I when I when I quit that first job I was speaking of, I interned at a radio station and moved back in with my parents. But when I was creative from 1 a.m. So 5 a.m., even when I went to work at 5.30 a.m., through the end of the day, I never felt tired because I felt energized by the work I was doing. 
And so I had to find myself in a space where, A, I'm happy, but also that my my productivity isn't weird. That now I'm in an industry where I can have a business dinner with somebody that runs till midnight and we're actually mm-hmm. getting something done, you know, yes. to go. It works for the, the space that I'm in because that's how my brain works. And mm-hmm. if I use what worked for Bill Gates' brain, according to his book, when he goes to sleep at 8 p.m. and wakes up at 4, like... <laughs> I wouldn't be happy, you know, yeah. so accepting your quirks and what makes you happy and, and using time to figure out that out if you don't know what that is for you. Yes, I love that. I yeah. love that. I, yeah. I I think I've, you know, resonated a lot with that, especially in the pandemic, right? Like, I'm just like, I kind of dig being home. I want right, to be right, home right. with kids. I can, you know, do two, three things at the same time. Like this podcast is my creative outlet, which I used to write poetry too. And, you know, I, I like, I'm reinvigorating some of that, you know, creativeness in me nice. with, with some of the stuff, you know, side stuff that I got going on. So nice. definitely resonate with that. I also like, it's okay for that inner voice and for, for that, you know, message to shift, right? Like, I feel like we always right. get stuck on, point oh, I gotta be this one person. I'm like, but you can have space to evolve. Like Ayana today is not the same Ayana that she was eight years ago before having kids. Like I'm completely different. Um, You know, so just knowing that like your purpose may serve a purpose for a certain time. And then you have a different, you know, a different journey ahead, right? Like don't feel like you gotta be in shackles for this one specific space and that's all that you are, right? Like give yourself the freedom. That's right. So. Ooh, you preach your words. <laughs> I try to, you know, you mm-hmm. after you do a couple of these podcast episodes, you start learning how to drop some gems. Right, 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 right. Yes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Oh yeah, I get to listen to this. I'm listening to this back. Flying these things. Listen to, my, to it. Listen practices. to it. I cringed. I cringed at first when I heard my own voice, but you're used to hearing your own voice, so. <laughs> I, It'll well, be good. You, you never get totally used to it. You just allow it. You're right. <laughs> like, yeah. Get to a point there where like, this, is, this is acceptable. That's what it is. <laughs> I was like, this is my voice. I accept this now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Domiti, let the people know where can they connect with you? How can they find yes. you, follow your work? Oh, man, thank you. Please find me on the socials at Domiti, D-O-M-E-T-I, on Twitter and Instagram, the verified one. I think there's another one out there. <laughs> who took my name so it's d-o-m-e-t-i underscore and um you know catch my show need to know we drop episodes every monday and thursday breaking down pop culture news in a really insightful and thought-provoking way i hope i believe um and uh and also uh coming up is the vma so i'm gonna be on the vma's red carpet dropping some, some fun hey. interviews with some of my favorite folks on uh august 20 this coming Sunday. Oh, you better know the date. August 27th. <laughs> 22nd. 28th. Oh, 28th. Okay. August 28th. Sorry. 28th. 28th. All right. All right. August 28th. Well, I'm going I'm to watch the VMAs now just it, it, because it. you said that. There we go. There we go. There we go. We're going to catch my red carpet interviews yes. and all that. And, hey, yeah, absolutely. I'm a loyal fan follower now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, watch True Life yes. Crime. Google True Life there we Crime go. And, and check it out. Absolutely, because that's important work as well. Um, Domati, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here, for having this conversation, for saying yes. Backstory, I was like, hey, Domati, can I ask you a question? 
can you be on my podcast? He was like, well, if you're going to ask so nicely, of course. Right, right. I can't say no. Okay, yes. so sweet. <laughs> no, I appreciate oh, you sharing your platform with me. It means a lot to me and, and, and to you for, uh, for keeping in touch. And, um, you know, and for having the space, let's pay for these conversations because I'm going to go back and go in the archives and listen to what others have said in their stories and, and apply it yes. as well. So thank you for doing this and for allowing me to be a part of it. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Y'all, that's been another episode of Sasoni Corazon. I am your host, Ayana Kelly. Feel free to like, subscribe, share with your friends on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you on the next one.